is from 2 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning at verse 9. The Lord said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be to God. everybody. So my name is Debs and I'm on the staff team here at St. Jude's and um, this term we've been thinking about the second part of our vision for the church. Now I wonder if anybody can tell me what the vision for St. Jude's is. Anybody? Good, I'm really glad that Adam knows. I'm hoping that Neil knows as well. Does anybody else know? Yes. Yes, but what goes with the faith, hope, and love? So what have we got first for the faith? Growing, yes, growing faith. What have we got for the hope? Offering, fantastic. And what have we got for God's love? Sharing, fantastic. So we have got growing faith, offering hope, and sharing God's love. That's the vision that we are trying to live out here at St. Jude's. And this term, we've been looking at offering hope in different circumstances. And this morning, we're thinking about offering hope in the face of suffering. Because I think one of the most difficult things about being a Christian is often that people get stuck on the suffering. They say things, and many of you have probably heard this question too. How can there possibly be a God when there is so much suffering in the world? And I don't know if you've heard that question thrown at you when you've said you're a Christian, but I certainly have. And it's a difficult one. Because we know the general answer, don't we? We know that Eve was persuaded by the devil to eat the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And she gave some to Adam. And the consequence was that evil and suffering entered the world. They were thrown out of the Garden of Eden... And ever since then, we have experienced the consequences. Disease, cruelty, poverty, greed, selfishness, and so on. And that results in the suffering that we see around us and for ourselves as well. And though that answer may be the right one, that's why there's suffering in the world, because of that action of Eve and Adam back in the Garden of Eden, it doesn't always help 
you know, to, to say to somebody who's facing a terminal illness, oh yeah, well, it's because Eve ate the fruit, it doesn't really help. It may be true, but it's not necessarily going to help that person. Or if you're struggling from the fact that somebody you love has died unexpectedly, again, that answer doesn't really help. And if you're going through stuff that is overwhelming and really tricky, that, all, that answer doesn't always help. However, there is hope. And as always, the answer is Jesus. So this morning, we're going to look at that hope. And my prayer is that you will find hope when you face suffering. My prayer is that you will be able to draw strength from the knowledge that it is possible to find hope in the face of suffering. We just heard Paul saying that he delighted in his weaknesses, he delighted in insults, he delighted in hardships, in persecutions and difficulties. Why? Because Paul knew that in his weakness, God's strength shines through. In his weakness, God's power will rest on him. And we may also know that that's true. When faced with seemingly overwhelming troubles, our only resource is to rely on Jesus. I know that there have been times in my life when I've been completely helpless and unable to change the situation. And the only thing that I've been able to do is to pray and to trust God that I would come through. And when I look back, I see that God's power was at work. Because there's something about surrendering our troubles to him and recognizing that we can't do anything, so we have to leave it to him. But the trouble is, we live in a world that doesn't hold those values. It's completely against that surrender. The values of this world are completely opposite to those that Jesus holds. The values that society tells us are things like be independent, make things happen, believe in yourself. You can achieve whatever you want. But Jesus says differently. Listen to how Luke records what Jesus says. He says, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you and insult you and reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, because great is your reward in heaven, for that is how their ancestors treated the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have already received your comfort. Woe to you who are well fed now, for you will go hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when everyone speaks well of you, for that is how their ancestors treated the false prophets. So when we choose to follow Jesus, our values change and our priorities are different. So look at this summary table here. In the first two columns on the left, we have those who are of the world, who are rich, full, laughing, and here the word laugh means gloat, and popular. These people have success. They live comfortable lives. They possibly look down on others and they take credit for their own achievements. And perhaps they have fame and celebrity and recognition for all they've done. Then 
we look at the two columns on the right, Jesus' kingdom. Being weak, deprived, suffering loss, and being excluded. Now, those aren't quite so attractive, are they? Why would we want to join a kingdom like that? Is Jesus saying that we have to try and live unsuccessful lives? We have to try to be hated by people? Or we have to deliberately seek to deprive ourselves of good things? Well, no. Because remember, there are examples of wealthy people in the Bible who also followed Jesus. We've got Abraham and Job in the Old Testament, and then Joseph of Arimathea in the New Testament. So it's not just about money. And also, the book of Proverbs, remember, tells us it's, it's full of advice and warnings about the behaviors which will lead to poverty and disappointment. So it's more... It's more that these things, the weakness, deprivation, loss, and exclusion, are likely to find us during our lifetime. Because remember, Jesus tells us, in this world, you will have trouble. But he wraps that statement around with two other things. It says, I have told you that these, I, sorry, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. So we need to remember that. We will have trouble, but Jesus has overcome the world. So that's great. But how do we cope with these trials when they come? How can we find hope? I think the important thing is not to place all our hopes and dreams in the things of this world. Because then if we don't achieve success, whatever that looks like, or we don't earn lots of money, or we're not recognized for our achievements, if none of those things happen, then what have we got left? So let's look again at Jesus' kingdom. So he's got hard things in there, but look at these outcomes. When we are weak, our reward is the kingdom of God. We can be certain of our inheritance, trusting that these hard things are renewing us inwardly. Remember what Paul writes in Romans 5. He says, We glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And then Jesus says, When we're hungry, we'll be filled. And I'm sure many of you have got stories of God's miraculous provision. I remember when I first became a Christian, a, a friend who was, um, told me about when she was at university, she ran out of money and she didn't have enough food for that week. And she prayed and a food parcel was left outside her door, which is just fantastic, God's generosity. But of course here, Jesus isn't just talking about physical hunger. He's also talking about spiritual hunger. Because when we recognize how spiritually empty we are and we become hungry for more of God himself, he pours out his blessings on us and we will become full to overflowing. When we weep, we will receive God's comfort and peace. When we know how poor we are because of our flaws and our failures and we're saddened by it, and then we recognize our need for Jesus, then he steps in and we're comforted and reassured by his presence. And when we're persecuted, 
we know that our reward will be great. So knowing these things gives us hope in the face of suffering. Yes, it may be tough at the time, but if we can learn to hold on to knowing that we will be blessed in the kingdom of God and that we will receive a great reward in heaven, then we will have strength to face those trials. So several years ago, our family went through a really, a really hard time. And I found it really hard to believe that God would let it happen. I was really angry with him, really angry. I used to take the dog out on the, on the, in the New Forest where we lived, and I would shout and scream at God. The dog didn't like it very much, but she learned to go with it. But I was so angry, and I cried a lot, and I shouted. But all through that, deep down, I knew that God had us. He was holding each one of us close to his heart. And I clung on to verses like Romans 8.28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. And Isaiah chapter 9, verse 1, which in the New Living, Test, New Living Translation says, Nevertheless, this time of darkness and despair will not last forever. I just prayed those verses. I said them to myself. Those were what I had to hold on to. I had to trust God because where else would I go for comfort and hope? I remember my mother, who's not yet a Christian, asking me how I could still have faith when all of this was happening. And I thought of Jesus, who, uh, sorry, I thought of Peter, who said to Jesus, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And it's so true. I could have taken refuge in alcohol or chocolate, but actually I'm not sure that that would have helped much. Hope in Jesus was the only answer. And now I look back on that time, and while I would in no way have chosen to go through it, I can see how God used it to grow my faith and to grow the faith of the other members of my family as well. There were many blessings during that time, even though I couldn't see them. But isn't that so true? Isn't that so true? Look at the story of Joseph in the Old Testament. He suffered because he was his father's favorite son. His brothers hated him. They plotted to kill him and then instead sold him into slavery. He was falsely accused of rape and ended up in prison. And yet, Joseph learned to trust God, to give God the glory for his provision and rescue and subsequent rise to power. And then when he was faced with his brothers, he was able to say, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done. And then, of course, we look at the example of Jesus. When he died on the cross, it looked as though everything had gone wrong. The worst had happened. How could Jesus, the Son of God, been killed in this way? What hope was there then? But there was Easter Day, the resurrection. Jesus conquered death, the ultimate comeback. Evil was intended, and yet God used that evil to bring us back to him, back into relationship with him. The worst suffering imaginable, yet giving us the greatest hope to offer us reconciliation and an ongoing relationship with him 
That was indeed suffering, but oh, what hope we have now. The Bible also tells us that we can find joy through suffering, which does sound a bit odd. But in Psalm 126, the psalmist writes, those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy. Those who go out weeping, carrying seeds to see, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with them. So he's talking about sowing with seeds of tears and weeping, yet harvesting joy. How do we do this? It doesn't seem to make sense. I want to just read a little bit of a book that I read recently. It's by Pete Gregg, and it's called God on Mute. Some of you probably read it. But there's this bit here that he writes which really struck me. So Pete says, One of the problems, ironically, can be prayer. In prayer, we set our hopes high and we call it faith. We pray for the perfect spouse, healthy children, successful careers, and serene families. We don't just wish for these things, but actually train ourselves to expect them. We fear the worst if we should ever lower our sights. Yet this is false faith. The Apostle Paul longed not just to know Christ and the power of his resurrection, but also the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings. The Christian witness and our ultimate hope is not merely a miraculous succession of miraculous escapes from all human affliction. Rather, it is the joy of a deepening relationship with the man of sorrows, as quoted in Isaiah, and familiar with suffering, who loves us and lives in us. And then Pete goes on to say, I'm not suggesting that we should pray for hard times, but rather that when such times come, we should feel a little less outrage and a lot more hope because Jesus, who went through similar struggles, predicted that we would have them and promised to be with us in the midst of them. And of course, we can look at the Psalms as well. They're full of prayers of lament where we take our despair and our struggles, our impatience and our incomprehension to God and we lay it at his feet. We can pour out our heart to him knowing that he hears our prayers. And when we do that, we look up to God and we see his goodness and his faithfulness. And we find that as we look at him, we are less angry, we're less full of self-pity, we're less despairing through those times of trouble. And as we look at God, we find joy. As we learn to rely on him more and more, so our joy will deepen. We find new confidence, new strength and new courage. And we learn to claim God's promises and really know them in our hearts. The peace, as Paul writes in Philippians, which transcends all understanding. And then Paul writes in 2 Corinthians, he says, Therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is, sorry, not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. So when we suffer, or when others suffer around us, we can find hope in the knowledge that this world is temporary. The suffering is not forever. God can and will bring blessings out of it. It won't be easy, but we can trust that he will give us strength to cope. 
We will be renewed. We will find eternal life. We will grow closer to our Heavenly Father. This is our certain hope. Look to Jesus always, because it's in him is our hope. Amen. So suffering is tough. Finding God through suffering is tough. And it may be that you're here this morning actually finding that life is good and you feel close to God and everything's great. But that may not be the case for everyone. So, firstly, just to let you know, there will be people who will be very willing to pray with you up in the chancel after the service. So if you have got something that is weighing deep on your heart and pulling you down, go and ask for prayer. Please don't leave here still carrying that burden. So if you can, if you're able, if you'd like to stand, and we're just going to be still now and pray. Jesus, thank you that we can find hope in you. Help us to hold on to you when we're struggling. And when we need help from those around us, give us the courage to ask. Help us to hold on to your promises. We ask now that you will come by the power of the Holy Spirit to meet us exactly where we need you. You know our hearts. You know that we need you.